This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we cover virtualization in ONTAP, including features, best practices, and insight sessions. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the basement of my house and I'm here to talk about virtualization today. And to do that, I brought along a couple people that would know what they're talking about, hopefully. Uh, Carl Conarth is here. Hi, Carl. Hi, Justin. So, Carl, what is it that you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? I am a product manager for uh, ONTAP and vSphere and you can reach me. Um, I'm welcome. Email is my last name, K-O-N-N-E-R-T-H at netapp.com or my Twitter handle is the same thing, Conners. All right, excellent. Also with us today, uh, Chance Bingen is here. Chance, what do you do at NetApp? How do, you, how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Yeah, uh, you can reach me same way, just last name at netapp.com. It's bingen at netapp.com. Um, on the Twitterverse, uh, CB at my, at CB ate my data center. Um, email's probably faster though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, some technical marketing engineer um, for virtualization with ONTAP, and so my title has changed since the last time I was on the show. What was your title last time? Uh, we did that support. Uh, oh yeah, the support one. Support. That's right. Yeah, I know you were in support recently, but I, it's, with this whole lockdown thing, I've, I've just been kind of like you know, it's been a it's been a fog. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, year has no, run together. So it's good. Kind of funny. Actually, uh, so I, I started my new role the week we shut down. So I've never actually been in the office with my new role. It doesn't really change much. <laughs> well, and we're in different sites anyway. So it's always Zoom calls between Chance and RTP and me out here in Sunnyvale. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. The only difference is we can't do the uh, the on-site visits anymore for a while. So We can't, and VMworld was kind of weird, virtual only, and now we're doing Insight uh, digital only. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Insight and what you guys are doing there uh, later in the show here. But the, the idea of this podcast was to get some uh, to get you guys together, and we'll cover virtualization in ONTAP you know, as a general topic. And we'll talk about some of the things that have been done over the past year with virtualization. I know that ONTAP is making a bigger push for virtualization integration and make it more of a uh, usable workload for our, for our platforms. It's always been good with our platforms, but I think there's been more of a push now to get it more integrated. Uh, we'll also talk about VVols and that sort of thing. But, you know, Carl, if you could give me kind of the rundown of, you know, virtualization with ONTAP, like what are we doing? You know, how, how are we treating it? Uh, we have a pretty aggressive uh, engineering program focused on that, and we'll talk about some of the new things. Uh, we're we're going to highlight those at Insight, uh, so we'll talk about that later. Um, but other things that we've done this year, we have confirmed uh, vSphere 7 support, so that was announced. Uh, so, so we have a number of tools, right? We have the Virtual Storage Console, which you can use for data store provisioning and to ensure your ESXi hosts are, are, are using optimal settings. We have the VASA provider, that's how we support VVOLs, and we have the storage replication adapter, and that's how we support DR protection with uh, VMware Site Recovery Manager. So that's our tool set. We have a lot of capabilities built into ONTAP in, in the way of uh, cloning support, in the way of uh, SAN support. Uh, so this year we uh, introduced uh, uh, support for vSphere 7.0, 
with our uh, 9.7 P2 release of our tools. Uh, we also introduced support for NVMe over fiber channel, and that was a big one. We've been working on with VMware on that for like years, and you probably have seen us at VMworld or Insight in the past. Finally launched, again, that depended on vSphere 7.0. That was supported. We have a uh, NetApp verified architecture that we published with Broadcom and VMware. Um, and that, actually, if you're interested in NVMe Fiber Channel, a quick shout out, uh, Insight Session 1268, we're going to cover in depth uh, that with respect to vSphere. Um, other things, we introduced uh, first-class disk support. We confirmed first-class disk support. That's a, that's a new approach that VMware has for VMDKs. So rather than being owned by the individual VM, they're owned by vCenter. And those are very useful for uh, kind of more modern storage environments, whether it's uh, OpenStack environments like our partner and customer SAP uses or for containers. Uh, first-class disks work really well for that because they can be detached from the individual VMs. Uh, and then we've done a lot with VVOLs uh, in the past year, including VVOLs replication. So I don't know, Chance, you wanna talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. Um, so speaking of replication, also back, I guess it was, was it April of this year, we released support for the Photon-based SRM? Right, oh, right, this SRM appliance. Yeah, um, and so just uh, in, the most recently, we released 971 um, version of our VASA provider, and that's that's a, a major leap forward for us, and and it really brings VVOLs into uh, a new level of maturity as as we're fully supporting the VASA um, 3.0 spec, VVOLs 2.0 spec, right. and allowing allowing for um, disaster recovery and migration with Site Recovery Manager. So Site Recovery Manager 8.3 introduced support for VVOLs. Uh, and that's really, uh, you know, one of the things that has kind of held some people back from diving in and trying VVOLs and, you know, seeing if that's the right solution with storage policy-based management for their business um, is that lack of DR orchestration that you get with SRM. So, you know, one of the criticisms I've heard is that ONTAP wasn't doing enough with VVOLs, but it sounds like we've gotten our, our feet under us and we're doing a lot more with VVOLs now. Is that kind of the direction we're looking at now is, is the VVOL implementation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, we, we now have a principle in the uh, ONTAP vSphere team, which is we're introducing new capabilities for vSphere uh, first and if possible, even exclusively. So we're trying to really emphasize, and because it's, it, there's a lot of benefits to VVOLs. Chance talked about policy-based management, enabling automation, uh, granular visibility into the VMs, which we don't necessarily have with VMFS. So all those, and this is very strategic for VMware. Uh, VVOLs are very important for a VMware Cloud Foundation, and we're working with them on uh, kind of a, a reference architecture for uh, VMware Cloud Foundation. It's very important for their container support with Tanzu. So all these new strategic areas for VMware are all built on VVOLs, and so we're we're closely working with uh, VMware on that, as well as projects to extend VVOLs in the areas of uh, uh, protocols and uh, container support. So, you know, as far as ONTAP goes, there's a lot of features that are involved in ONTAP that add a lot of value to doing virtualization. So can you kind of cover maybe your top four or five ONTAP features that really add a lot of value to, to VMware virtualization workflows? So, uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, we talked about VVOLs and what 
what you get with Vasa, and I talk about, I'll, I will be talking about a lot about this at Insight, is how it brings storage awareness. So, what we're able to do is expose to vCenter things like encryption or fabric pool tiering off to a capacity tier of some kind, storage grid, Amazon S3, what have you, um, uh, deduplication, compression, and even setting IOPS policies, right? So QoS with VM granularity in ONTAP. And I think that's that's a great value add for our VVOL story and uh, integrating with vSphere. Um, some other things, obviously, we were very early in dedupe and compression, providing uh, really great storage efficiency with cloning in-place snapshots, uh, file-level cloning now. Um, I think the, the efficiency story is, is really outstanding. And of course, and of course, you know, multi-cloud because you can. We've we've actually proved out in Google Cloud VMware Engine now that you can use cloud volumes on tap for storage in uh, in GCP. So what that brings you is the ability to use something like SRM to do DR to the cloud uh, right in GCP with you know full stack support. Yeah, and mentioning VVOLs, you know, it, that's an area where we really put a lot of technology right into ONTAP specifically for VVOLs. So things like our uh, our enhanced copy on demand engine built into uh, ONTAP that we use, the VASA provider will use to uh, uh, copy and clone VMs, uh, VVOL VMs, uh, sysclone, or the ability to do file and lung clones. That's another technology that was built primarily to support uh, VVOLs. So we've, we've built a lot of technology right into uh, on tap uh, that is exposed either directly from vSphere, from the VASA provider, or even through VAAI for copy offload. So what about things like snapshots? I mean, where do they play into this? Because I know that VMware has their own way of doing snapshots. Right. Do you normally recommend using on tap snapshots over VMware snapshots, or do you use both? Well, for traditional data stores, uh, either on VMFS or uh, NFS, uh, ONTAP snapshots are fine. You can either do them manually or you can orchestrate them through a product like SnapCenter. Uh, so they're used extensively by our customers for data protection. But the, the, the thing I talked about with file and lung clones, those with the VOS provider are actually offloaded uh, to ONTAP. And that's where you can do what seems to be a VMware managed snapshot inside vCenter, but in fact will trigger ONTAP to do a file or lung clone of those specific uh, VVOLs. Yeah, and you know, uh, integrating with our backups for you know VM consistent backups goes back for years, and uh, you know, taking a little trip down memory lane, Justin and I used to support you know the old SnapDrive and Snap Manager products right. when those still existed, and um, even very early on, those integrated with VMware uh, to you know create VM and applications consistent backups, whether you're using. VMDKs or RDMs or in-guest iSCSI. Uh, so you get those good, consistent, known good state backups of your applications like SQL or Exchange, Oracle, SAP, you know, all the different ones we have now. And what's great about those, uh, you know, those in-place backups is they're rapidly accessible. Um, it's really more like an online hot backup and that you can like immediately access and very quickly restore from um, or even clone from, right? Because with FlexClone Flex clone technology, you can clone directly out of your backup on the storage in a space efficient way so that it doesn't consume ex any extra space. 
it's it's just there and you can do all your different automation workflows for test validation for um, your development workloads you know whatever the case may be um, for uh, uh, accessing that data mm-hmm. so like snapmere also comes into play here because you can replicate those, those virtualization workloads to a destination site for for disaster recovery and, and I would imagine that that adds some value as well because then you can fail over your your you know vcenter uh, instances using what is it SRM right? Yeah, yeah, we we've supported uh, SRM with SnapMirror. In fact, we're one of uh, VMware's largest array-based uh, partners. Uh, there are a lot of customers out there that use SRM Site Recovery Manager together with ONTAP, leveraging uh, uh, SnapMirror under the covers to replicate those data stores from primary to secondary. Uh, we also support Metro Cluster, which is a more uh, uh, integrated capability there that you don't require a site recovery manager. It's just uh, uh, we work directly. Uh, you 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 can support you can support your vSphere data stores on top of Metro Cluster and uh, uh, with uh, availability rules um, manage your VMs if you in the event of a, a site failure. Yeah, speaking of SnapMirror. Um you know, that can be managed by Snap Center as well. So if you want to, you know, take backups at one site and then replicate those backups to be managed on a secondary site or even restored from the secondary site, that's something that can be orchestrated through Snap Center. And actually, a lot of our partners integrate natively using the ONTAP SDK. Um, so like, uh, I don't know if I want to mention all of our partners, but there's a lot of them out there that leverage those technologies to use um, array-based snapshots and array-based replication. Um, in our case, that's you know, Waffle snapshots and FlexWalls and SnapMirror, SnapVault, stuff like that. So what are you seeing in terms of the adoption of you know, NFS version 4.1 and that sort of thing with VMware? And, and what's the story on that and you know, the latest with that? Yeah, so we do have a number of customers that 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 are interested in NFS 4.1. So we've been a partner with VMware with 4.1 since the start. Um, and in general, it's worked really well. It obviously brings uh, additional security, Kerberos encryption, uh, ACLs that you can use for additional security. Uh, and that's all great. The one problem we've seen, and this came up in testing, our interop testing, a couple of years ago, we found that in certain cases on a storage failover event, so either a planned takeover or an unplanned takeover, there were problems with uh, data store and VM accessibility. So we brought that to VMware. We worked with them on that. Uh, last year, they identified a problem and resolved that. Uh, that is data store inaccessible after a failover. Uh, that's fixed. Uh, I don't have the exact uh, releases, but I think it was like 6.7p02 and 7.0ga have fixes for the data store inaccessible problem. However, we still saw problems where occasionally VMs that had active I.O. were being powered off during a failover. And uh, we've worked closely with VMware on that this year. They identified some issues in how they're handling uh, uh, responses from ONTAP during a failover event. Uh, the good news is I think we're close to resolving that. So stay tuned. We should be able to get NFS 4.1 back uh, as, a, as a fully supported uh, protocol. And uh, we're looking at things down the roadmap in terms of uh, VVOLs and uh, session trunking and other things that uh, we're exploring for future support. 
So what are, the, what are you hearing about performance for virtualization workloads with NFS 4.1 and ONTAP? Is it, is it pretty similar or are people having you know issues with, with how fast it is? Uh, I haven't heard any performance complaints about 4.1. I think that today ONTAP's NFS 4.1 performance is uh, equivalent to NFS v3. So I don't think anybody's approaching it as a, a performance concern they're, they're, or, or benefit. Uh, they're primarily approaching it, though, for security reasons or, or maybe they're just strategically they've been moving from NFS v3 to 4.1, like maybe some of the public sector uh, customers. Yeah, I know we added some fixes in 9.5 and 9.7 that made virtualization workload performance a lot better for NFS v4.1. I know we still lag a bit behind with high metadata workloads, but that's not really what a, what a VMware data no, store does. No, no, we haven't we haven't seen that. So I think I think customers, if we can fix uh, the the those final failover problems, uh, and then I just was talking to VMware about bringing NFS four one support uh, back to VVols. Uh, they originally published that it was supported, and then we found out that it actually was not rigorously tested between our teams. So it's something that's next on our roadmap for uh, for one support is to add that for VVOLs. So tell me a little bit more about um, how we leverage copy offload. What's this VAAI piece of ONTAP and how does it work? So VAAI is, uh, so vSphere API for array integration. Does it stand yeah. for? Anyway, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a way to improve overall data center efficiency by offloading some tasks from the host and uh, as well as not consuming network resources between the host and storage um, to the to the storage array for it to perform these functions on its own without having to acquire extra activity, you know, read, write data, whatever the case may be. So some of the things you can do, uh, for example, in SAN, and VAI exists for both SAN and NFS, uh, with SAN, it's native in the protocol, and you can do things like uh, hole punching or SCSI unmap or in SATA. People are familiar with SATA, are familiar with the trim command, but it's a way to deallocate blocks that are no longer required and you know increase the efficiency of a thin provision system. So in, the way SAN normally works is when a host deletes a file in a file system, it really doesn't like zero those out typically. What it does is using its file system metadata just marks those blocks as free to use, but it doesn't overwrite them or do anything like that. So when you've got a thin provision LUN that the host recognizes as a thin provision LUN, it's able to use uh, the SCSI T10 thin provisioning commands like unmap to say, hey, I deleted this file you can go ahead and deallocate these blocks now. I don't need those. And so the the array like ONTAP in this case can free those blocks and make them available to be consumed by other customers, other, other um, data consumers, right? Some other things you can do are copy offload. So that's where a host will send a command to the storage array and say, all right, copy these blocks from location X to location Y, uh, do it for me and tell me when you're done. And the array will go do it. Um, some other things you can do is you can make multiple copies of things. You could say, okay, go copy this for me 10 times. So there's there's lots of efficiency efficiencies to be gained by using VAAI. Um, with NFS, it's not native to the protocol. So what you have to do is you have to install a plugin. So the NFS VAI plugin uh, for VMware is one of the products in our virtualization product portfolio. 
And what that does is it adds um, near equivalent functions to the NFS functionality. So things like copy offload and uh, there's no hole punching or space reclamation yet. Uh, there's other methods for accomplishing that. But you know, generally it's gonna be used for things like cloning uh, activities, uh, uh, offloading storage vMotion, for example, is something that can be done. Um, and there's there's some restrictions in NFS, whether you can do it with hot or cold VMs. Right. Well, um, one thing I will say is that uh, there may be some updates coming to VAAI that you might want to keep an eye out because VMware has continued to evolve the way they use VAAI. Um, they've you know, published new VAI SDKs that uh, storage vendors can take advantage of, and uh, we might be doing that. That actually, Chance, that reminds me of one of my my favorite best practices, and this is a, a new one that we kind of identified as we talked to our field team that work with customers, is to get most advantage of a copy offload. Uh, the most efficient, the fastest uh, action is going to be if if uh, the the source and destination are in the same data store. So ONTAP is very efficient at doing a, uh, a clone uh, within a data store. Uh, it's fast, it's storage efficient. It does require the flex clone license. It does require storage efficiency to be enabled, but then we can do it really fast. When it's between data stores, it's a lot slower because then that's depending on an ONTAP copy engine to move it from one uh, volume to another. So my advice to, to our, our customers uh, is, is, is ideally put your VM templates in the same data store that you're going to be cloning them to. So you can use content libraries, you could use folders if you wanna organize them. But if you're putting all your templates in one data store and then cloning from there to uh, uh, other data stores, you're not gonna get the fastest, most storage efficient uh, cloning capability. So that's kind of one of our my, one of my key best practices. I don't know, uh, would you like us to cover some of the other best practices? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. So, so let's talk about some of the other things that people can do to get the most out of their virtualization in ONTAP. Yeah, uh, you know, I think one of the first and biggest things is use the tools. So um, whether it's VSC, uh, VASA provider, SRA, NFS VAI plugin, they're all there to improve um, your experience and also um, to improve the overall efficiency and performance of your ONTAP systems. So when you, for example, if you use VSC to provision your data stores, it's going to do it in a best practice way. So you don't have to worry about, you know, what should this setting be? What should that setting be? I don't know. Do I, do I then provision this one? Do I enable space allocation? You know, VSC is going to take care of all that for you. It's going to, you know, provision a LUN or an NFS export or, you know, whatever you choose to use there. And it's going to do it in a way that is... Um, you know, handled through some automation, it's going to make it all created in a best practice way. And then it's going to present it out to the host and it's going to mount it from the host so that you don't have to worry about, you know, what, what NFS lift am I going to use, right? It's going to automatically do that. It's going to select a lift for you. And then the ESXi host will go and take advantage of that. Another thing that VSC does is it monitors your hosts to make sure that they're using the best practice settings. So whether it's, um, you know, gosh, anything, there's TCP tunables, there's, you know, SAN tunables, you know, all kinds of uh, NFS max Q depth is one that gets discussed a lot. And that's one that will tune with VSC automatically. 
I would, you know, the idea there is it's it's really going to try and make sure that your systems are working at peak efficiency and and really peak resiliency is another big part of that as well. Uh, you know, tuning, you know, timeouts and QDEPs and things like that to make sure that you're able to survive, you know, momentary uh, issues in the network or a storage failover or what have you. Definitely that, uh, you know, Carl mentioned the best practice of keeping a content library or your image repository in uh, in the same volumes is really going to help with that clone efficiency by being able to use file clone or what we internally in engineering terms refer to as sysclone because, you know, essentially what it does is it just cr instantaneously creates a pre-deduplicated copy of that file. So it doesn't really take up any space. Um, What's really cool is a lot of the best practices actually are baked into ESX now in the newer versions. So uh, even though VSE is monitoring them, oftentimes there isn't much has to change because out of the box, the settings match pretty closely to what we recommend or right on in, in a lot of cases. They do, but isn't there one like for, for SAN, there was one where we found that for where customers are doing evaluations or proof of concepts that we recommend a, a change to the, the SAN uh, settings? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, one of the things that we, so in, in a SAN world, we worked with VMware a long time ago to make sure that they would recognize and claim NetApp LUNs um, in the right way, right? So it applies the Alua SATP or storage array type plugin and it applies the round robin uh, load balance policy to it, which is which those are the best practices. That's what we want to have happen. So it does it automatically out of the box uh, and has for a few years now. The way the default load balancing policy works is it actually alternates paths every thousand IOs. So it'll send a thousand IOPS down one path or IOs down one path. It'll hop to the next path, path um, <clears throat> dispatch another thousand IOs, hop to the next path and rinse and repeat. What we have found is that if you're if you have super high intensity storage workload with you know lots of IOPS, or if you're doing a POC or you know some kind of just uh, uh, evaluation where you're just beating uh, a ton of I/O down to the storage, what we've seen is that does not very efficiently use your storage network or your storage array. So ONTAP has a lot more resources it can offer. Um, and so we see that if you change that IOPS setting from a thousand, because it is tunable, you turn it down to one and what it does is it then hops a path for every IO. So truly round robins from path to path to path. And when you do that, we've seen some fairly significant performance gains in highly intensive workloads. Now, usually it's artificial workloads and the real world doesn't usually you know, need the tuning. But if you're generating an artificial workload or you're doing something really crazy and you feel like something's just not working as efficient as it should be, if you change that IOPS setting from 1,000 down to 1, you're going to get a much more efficient utilization of your storage network or the, or the, the fabric, you know, whatever that connection is from your host to ONTAP. And then the ONTAP lifts that are serving that data are going to get used more efficiently. And ONTAP itself is going to work more efficiently doing that. So uh, yesterday I was talking to a customer about uh, virtualization and, and they pointed out that they were having trouble when they were trying to connect to multiple data lifts in the cluster. Now, I know that you can use a single data lift and it makes it simpler, but sometimes you want to use more because you can spread those connections out across multiple nodes and get all the hardware resources. 
So what's the best practice for when you have multiple data lifts in, in a vCenter uh, instance that you want to, you know, how do you connect all those data lifts in the easiest way? Yeah, so the easiest way is to use uh, just round-robin DNS. Um, you know, you can add DNS records for each of those IP addresses and then just mount your data stores using uh, FQDN. And so what, what that's going to buy you is better utilization of, of network on the front end of the ONTAP cluster. And, you know, it used to be the case that we used to tell people don't do that because you want to avoid indirect I.O. But, you know, these days on tap, the, the backend I.O. channels have been optimized so well that it's, it's not a concern anymore. We are no longer really telling people that you have to work hard to make sure you're avoiding indirect I.O. Now, if you use VSC, it's still, you know, if you use VSC and cluster scoped credentials, it's still going to just by default mount things using uh, a lift on the node that owns the aggregate because that's just the way it's it's designed. But uh, if you use SVM scoped, it's just going to like round robin the lifts just like you were using um, round robin DNS. So it too, you know, really doesn't really care anymore. And I, I think what we have found is that the gains that you get, not just from simplicity, you know, simplicity of simplifying your, ad, you know, vSphere administrators workloads, um, like personal workloads, but by leveraging more ONTAP nodes and their front-end interfaces is a more efficient and more performant use of your environment than if you were to just, you know, have to pick the right lift every time and use IPs every time and all that. So, you know, just choose the simpler solution and it's going to work out better for you in the long run. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Chance. I, we've talked to, to support. We don't see many cases that are related to performance around indirect access. Um, and my favorite case, was we did a spec SFS benchmark, I don't know, like five, five, seven years ago with a cluster where almost all the access was indirect, yet we were still delivering response time of 1.5 milliseconds. And that, that's generally what I've seen is, is, is indirect access could add some microseconds uh, to latency but not enough to normally worry about. So uh, I, I really encourage people not to worry about indirect access uh, and take advantage of the full cluster. On the topic of best practices, we see a lot of customers who use SRM and they'll oftentimes be deploying it in very large scale environments with uh, thousands of VMs, thousands of flex vols, uh, fairly large scaled out clusters. And in those kinds of environments, one of the best practices I like to recommend to people to improve performance of their SRA is to manage it using SVM scoped connections instead of cluster scoped connections. And the reason you wanna do that is because if you're constraining your management to just that one SVM that you're working on, instead of, you know, maybe you have an SVM for home dirs or another SVM for, um, you know, some other purpose, whatever it might be, um, that limits the amount of work that the SRA has to do. Because if you're managing an entire cluster, the SRA has to enumerate through all those cluster resources to figure out what maps to what in vSphere. So, you know, what LUN on what volume on what node maps to, you know, NAA, blah, 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 um, data store, right? But if you're only constraining it down to an SVM that just has what you need to work with, you're going to get much better performance in terms of, you know, whether it's discovery, uh, whatever, every task, literally every task the SRA does can be sped up 
by doing that. Now, the downside there is you can't, you don't have that option if you're using VVOLs. And the reason for that is a big part of VVOLs is, is VASA, which gives you storage awareness. And that, that storage awareness requires visibility into the whole cluster. For example, it actually reports on um, aggregate space. If you're you know, super thin provision all the way down the stack, it's actually able to report on aggregate space consumption and tell you when that's running out of space. And it can report that back directly to the vSphere administrator. Um, but because of that, it takes away the option to use SVM scoped management connections. Um, you know, speaking of VVOLs and, and SRM, we mentioned that we released uh, 9.7.1 recently, which added support for VVOL replication with SRM. Um, and it's, it's really great because it, the way it's implemented is very uh, elegant, in my opinion, the way VMware chose to use storage policy-based management with um, DR through SRM. Uh, the way it works is when you go in and create your VM storage policies, you're able to choose, okay, which replication provider? And you can say, all right, I wanna use the NetApp replication provider. And then you can say, um, oh, look, I've got this type of replication supported, async snap mirror, and what schedules do I have? And you can look and you can, you can actually see all of the ONTAP snap mirror schedules right there and natively in the vSphere interface. It's, it's really quite nice. Um, and you know, it's, it's really so well-baked. There's not a whole lot that we need to change uh, there. You know, I would say maybe two best practices that would, I would recommend people that are thinking about diving into this. Uh, the first is make sure that you do all of your resource mappings ahead of time. Um, so if you make, uh, say you make your VM storage policies, make them on both sites, you have to make them on both sites and you wanna go into SRM and make sure you map those policies. You know, by default, if they truly do match, they'll work. But a lot of times you're gonna be doing a, I don't know if asymmetric is the right word, but if you, let's say you're doing DR to cloud, right? Cause I mentioned uh, doing this with GCVE earlier, uh, Google Cloud VMware engine you're gonna be going from say an AFF on-prem to CVO in the cloud. Well, your policies cannot match in that case because Vasa knows that that's an AFF and it knows that's CVO. So what you have to do is you have to go into SRM and do that mapping and say, all right, policy you know, one here is equal to policy you know, one or seven or whatever, whatever you call it over in the cloud. So that's one thing you wanna do. I definitely think um, doing those policy mappings is gonna be beneficial and it's gonna prevent you know, any bad things from happening. The other thing is uh, to remember that ONTAP does replication at the FlexVol level. So SnapMirror, we're replicating the entire FlexVol from on-prem to the other prem or cloud or whatever. So that puts you in a situation because VVOLs, you know, they use automation to place VMs into storage containers that match the you know, requirements of their policies. Well, one thing you want to be careful of is if you put multiple VMs in the same FlexVol and then you only protect a subset of them. So let's say you thought like half are protected and half are unprotected in a given FlexVol and you snap mirror that to your other site. Well, let's say you have to fail over. Well, when you execute a failover and if only half of those VMs are protected, only half of them are gonna end up running on the other site. The other half are gonna, you know, if they stay running, they're gonna stay running in the original site. 
Now, that's not the worst thing that could happen, but here's where it gets really uh, tricky. A uh, natural part of the SRM workflows is once you've failed over to the other site, well, you don't want to be unprotected in the other site. So you do what's called the reprotect, um, which is a reverse resync or a snap mirror reverse resync under the covers is what we do. So that's going to wipe out the other half of VMs that were still running on the original production site, right? So they're they're toast. They're gone. So you want to be very careful and in, in, in don't mix protected and unprotected VMs uh, in the same flex fault. So just you want to be careful with that. And I think those are the two best practices that that I've come up with so far that I, I really want people to be aware of: the policy mapping and don't mix protected and unprotected VMs. Uh, so, so Justin, uh, uh, another thing that comes up as a common best practice is uh, th- uh, thin provisioning. And from ONTAP, we like to see customers thin provision at all levels. So thin provision your flexible volume, thin provision your LUNs, thin provision your uh, VM files. And that's because there's really no performance impact from thin provisioning with ONTAP. Uh, I know I've talked to customers that are a little hesitant to use that based on experience with other storage platforms. We don't have the same performance penalty within provisioning with ONTAP. And the only downside of thin provisioning, I think, would be you have to monitor the storage, right? Because if you're if you're completely thin provisioned, then you need to watch your aggregate space usage. You watch your flexible volume space usage to make sure that you're not running out of space. Uh, some customers find it easier to just say, I'm going to allocate a, you know, a, a four terabyte uh, data store, and I'm going to commit it all. I'm going to guarantee it all. Then I don't have to worry about it. And that that's certainly an easy way to do, but it's an expensive way to use your storage. So we encourage customers to go within provisioning and then take advantage of of monitoring. You can do it. You can get SNMP or email alerts from ONTAP. You can use our tools like System Manager or ActiveIQ Unified Manager to monitor your storage. Or even in the VOS provider, we will raise alerts when you reach thresholds of either aggregate full or volume full. So uh, I definitely need to monitor, but our general best practice there is to go within provisioning at all levels. Yeah, and you don't even have to be using VVOLs to do that. VASA provider is able to uh, monitor the cluster, the ONTAP cluster, even if you're not using VVOLs, and it can still give you the advantages of storage policy-based management. If you want to, you just don't get the granular capabilities you would get with uh, VVOLs. Yeah, and in fact, we we enable the VOS provider by default with uh, 9.6 and later releases of the virtual appliance. Yeah, exactly. For those reasons, it's uh, it's really a fantastic tool. Uh, and I think one other advantage to fully thin all the way down the stack is that your storage efficiencies are just, you, you realize storage efficiencies right away, especially in NFS, right? Because you got a, you know, 10 terabyte VM or whatever and you know, a dedupes down to one, well, you immediately got nine terabytes back just like that. So let's touch on storage efficiencies a little bit more. Like I know that we have storage efficiency guarantees and usually they they include things for like virtualization workloads. And there's a reason for that because the virtualization workloads usually have such good data reduction ratios. So why is that? What's What are some of the reasons behind storage efficiencies working so well with these virtualization workloads? Customers uh, went to, found that ONTAP, uh, we were one of the early adopters of deduplication. And uh, the, the support that we did with deduplication worked really well for VMs because they have a lot of common uh, blocks. Uh, the guest OS is often very similar across VMs. So we saw great savings with deduplication. Uh, that led our customers to adopt uh, ONTAP and storage efficiency for their, their, their data stores. 
and uh, uh, get really great storage efficiency savings. We actually reflect those storage efficiency savings directly in the Virtual Storage Console dashboard. Uh, and uh, the uh, taking advantage of cloning, the file cloning, the LUN cloning also uh, really enhances storage efficiency with uh, ONTAP for, for both traditional data stores as well as uh, VVOL data stores. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, we were definitely one of the early advocates for deduplication and later on adding compression, inline compression right. and, and post-process compression to our storage to improve efficiency. And you, you mentioned uh, FlexClone and, and VolClone, and that's one of those things where you can take and one of the things customers like to do is they'll take and clone out, um, say, a SnapCenter backup. They'll take like maybe many clones of a SnapCenter backup and then they'll, you know, allocate those out to their QA teams and they can all run their own QA test suites on, you know, whatever applications are being developed in those VMs. But because they're all like in-place flex clones, they're, they're not really taking up many, you know, much extra space, just enough metadata to maintain what the volume is and then whatever deltas they commit to the storage. So it's really, um, really advantageous in those kind of environments. We, we talked a lot about best practices, and I know that we've got an event coming up, uh, Insight, right? So it's a virtual event this year, and I would imagine you guys have some sessions on that. So what sort of sessions should we expect from the virtualization track? Well, let me start off with, with my favorite, because I've been working on this all year. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about flex group support for vSphere. I like that one too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do, Justin. So, so uh, as you probably know, uh, through nine, through ONTAP 9.6, we recommended not using uh, FlexGroup for virtualization workloads uh, for a number of reasons, uh, tool support, uh, VAI support, et cetera. We added VAI support in 9.7. So uh, that was a good step forward. And I think we recommended it, it, it. Take a look at uh, FlexGroup for vSphere. It's good for playing around with, but we still knew we had a lot of other areas we wanted to cover. Um, and I'm happy to say that we're targeting that to the ONTAP 9.8 release and our tools 9.8 releases. Uh, and here's why. The first is FlexGroup gives you this kind of single scalable data store. So now you're not worried about making a lot of different FlexVol volumes, adding enough to make sure you get the most performance out of a, a, a cluster node or, in, or the entire cluster. It's all automatically managed for you by FlexGroup. You just create a flex group across your pair or cluster, and now you've got one single uh, scalable data store that gets the maximum performance. But we've gone a lot further. I've worked with a lot of different ONTAP teams to add new capabilities in support of flex group data stores. Uh, I'm not gonna give you all the details today, but we have features for performance management, performance management with VMs, as well as uh, enhanced uh, copy offload and cloning within the data store. So uh, Chance has, has done some really detailed uh, sessions at Insight. I don't know if you have that list handy. Yeah, um, so definitely please stop by and see me virtually. Um, so my flex group session is gonna be uh, 1264, so it's session 1264. And it's gonna be about managing flex group data stores. Uh, I will be um, showing a little demo of some stuff with that without giving away too much. And we'll also be doing a little bit of a deep dive under the cover, how it actually uh, works and benefits vSphere environments. 
Yeah, and there's another session, um, probably no stranger to the podcast, uh, Chris Gebhardt, a uh, longtime expert in vSphere workloads and ONTAP, and especially in the virtual desktop area. So he's taken what we've done with Flex Group uh, data stores and applied that to uh, virtual desktops as well. So um, he's got a 10-minute demo. I'm trying to find the number right here. Yeah, while you're digging for that, we also, um, you know, I mentioned that there could be some updates coming for the NFS plugin for VAAI. Um, And I will be talking about NFS and VAAI also at Insight. So, and that's going to be session 1265. Strangely, those are contiguous numbers. I think that may not be a coincidence. (laughs) <laughs> no, and, and uh, Chris's session or his demo session, it's only 10 minutes, on virtual desktops with Flex Group is 13.01. So, uh, and then and, and Chris has another one that's actually kind of interesting that we call the dirty secrets about virtual desktops. And that's where we talk about the hard parts of virtual desktops. Actually, setting up a, a you know Horizon or a VDI, that's pretty easy. But it's the hard parts are how do you set up your user profiles, the applications? How do you scale the user data? How do you ensure that you've got uh, portability and, and, and DR? And so he, and he talks about that both from the perspective of on-premises for ONTAP, as well as cloud-based solutions using our tools. So that's uh, session 1299. Yeah, I think he's going to talk about locality as well, right? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in general, we've got our best practice session at 1260. So Chance and I do that one together. We'll cover some of the best practices you heard here today in, in probably in more detail. We'll talk about VVOLs, VVOLs replication. Uh, also, I'll give you a, a quick preview of what's coming in our, our tools release. I can tell you today that we have some, in addition to what we've talked about uh, with Flex Group and some other areas, we're also focusing on uh, uh, some new capabilities for SAN data stores, some uh, additional scale for SRA and SRM. And um, beyond that, we're continuing to work with VMware on uh, Tanzu support and adding that uh, together with uh, ONTAP, uh, both for traditional storage and VVOL storage in support of Tanzu uh, container persistent volumes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and we mentioned Snap Center earlier, there's going to be an uh, announcement of a new Snap Center release as well that's going to have some new features for VMware workloads. That's right. 1297 and 1298 are going to cover Snap Center as well as VMware backup and recovery in general. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot in our track, I think there are 12 sessions in the uh, Inside Virtualization track. And then as a special bonus, <laughs> we're going to do a live Q&A session because one of the best parts of Insight is the Q&A part that comes at the end of every session, right? And people come up, uh, either use the microphone or they come up to the stage. We said, well, how can we do that if Insight is entirely virtual? So uh, the day, a- uh, the week after Insight, I think it's on November 3rd. Uh, we've picked a time slot we think will work for most of the world. We're going to do a live Q&A session via Zoom. So if you attend the Insight sessions, watch for it. There will be a slide that has a, a bit.ly link and uh, the QR code, and you can join our uh, 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 live Q&A session. Yep, you got to come to the uh, you got to come to the insight session to get the QR code there. That's right. Okay, and uh, yeah, you know we we mentioned adding support for VVOL's replication and disaster uh, recovery and, and migrations actually as well. Um, I've got a session on that. It's going to be session twelve sixty two. 
not contiguous with the other numbers for some reason. So the, my VAAI one, that's going to be a uh, demo session, a 10-minute. The flex group will be the 20-minute format, which I guess that's called the speed session, I think. Yeah, the speed then, session. Yeah, and then the Vivol's DR is a full breakout. Yeah, we also have uh, Raul Sharma is going to be doing the with Andreas Engel are going to be doing the uh, automation session. So that's using REST API and ONTAP, REST API with the uh, appliance together with vRealize uh, operations or automation to, uh, uh, or I should say orchestration or automation to automate your own private VMware cloud. That's session 1263. Yeah, I'm looking forward to attending that one myself. That's a good one. I, I was happy with it. All right, Chance, Carl, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us all about virtualization with ONTAP. Uh, if we wanted to get in touch with you, how do we do that, Carl? Me, uh, Connorth at netapp.com or at sign Connorth. And Chance. Yeah, uh, kind of same deal. Uh, you know, when you have an odd last name, you get to have that as your email address. So it's just yeah. Bing in, that's a B-I-N-G-E-N. That'll be in the notes, I hope, because you're not going to remember that. I think- <laughs> at netapp.com. I think every one of us has an odd name here on the on the podcast today. I mean, that's right. You don't hear a lot of Connorth. Right, that's right. Not a lot of Parisis. There's one Parisi at at NetApp. There's another one besides me. Oh, I'm not not Highlander, so I am one of the rare Connors. There should be only one, maybe. Francesco, I think his name is. He's 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 actually an Italian. He's in Italy. So oh, okay. Very cool. Um, And also on on the Twitters, you can. uh, Get me at uh, at CB8, my data center, with the number eight. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Carl Connor and Chance Bingen for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.